0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Hey everybody, Carm Capriotto Aftermarket Weekly. Good to have you here as we rock the world and bring you all the necessary business acumen for personal and business success right into your little old ears. Today, we got a great Aftermarket Weekly episode with Brett Beachler from Beachler's Vehicle Auto Care, Peoria, Illinois. Hello, Brett. Hello, Carm how are you doing? I'm great. Good to see you, my friend. We're going to do it up close and personal with Brett. You're going to love this, a little bit about him, a little bit about the business, stuff that you've never heard or known. And obviously, we hope that it's going to inspire you in so many different ways. We're coming to you from the Dorman Training studio, sometimes called my Carm Cave. We thank Dorman Training so much for their support Automotive technologies of today and tomorrow demand that professional technicians continuously maintain and grow their knowledge and skill sets. If one does not update, they will evaporate. Mastering the changing technologies, adapting new and more efficient testing techniques, and exploring new tooling and equipment applications are just a few challenges. Dorman Training is dedicated to providing the latest information and proven service and repair tips brought to you by some of the nation's best instructors in the company of some of the nation's best technicians. Dorman has been a leader in driving new product solutions for the automotive aftermarket for more than a century. With DormanTrainingCenter.com, we also deliver the technical training and insight service professionals need to further their careers and stay current. The automotive industry constantly evolves with technical advancements, making it crucial for technicians to stay updated with the latest trends and techniques. By undergoing comprehensive training, aspiring technicians will equip themselves with the necessary skills and knowledge to excel in their field. In addition to personal technical training throughout the United States, Dorman Training Center delivers online training modules covering a wide variety of topics with new resources rolling out regularly. Whatever your role or experience, you can find helpful information on DormantTrainingCenter.com. Dorman Technical Training covers many of today's advanced automotive systems, including hybrid EV, driver assistance, diagnostics, emission, and complex electronics. Created for working service professionals and taught by ASE certified instructors, classes are held as lunch and learns in the evenings and weekends at on-site locations as well as available on demand. Bring your knowledge to the next level at DormanTrainingLive.com. Hey, so thank you, Dorman. We're back here. Brett, business has been there since 51. I mean, that's like 72 years. Yes,
1: 73 in February.
0: Did your dad start the business?
1: No, actually my grandpa did in 1951 on a $25 investment with Standard Oil, if you remember Standard Oil. I'm sure you do, Carm.
0: I do. Don't age me. (laughs) <laughs> hey, what's going on in the business in the past year that's had a really significant impact?
1: Significant impact. Well, there's a couple things. One of them was my group from Elite encouraged me strongly at a shop visit back in October of 22. You really need to consider closing on Saturdays. And it was very difficult for me because we as humans tend to lean on the quote, well, that's the way we've always done it, end quote. Right? So we had some personnel things that happened to where we we actually slimmed down pretty skinny on the front line in terms of advisors. We had a sudden departure of one of my, my key guys at that point, I really didn't have a choice because I quite frankly didn't want to work every Saturday. And I mean, it's not a selfish thing. I just kind of was at that point in my career where I just didn't want to do it. I looked at my other guys and said, we just can't do this to each other. So within two weeks announcement came out, it went out to the customer database, resounding encouragement from the database of customers that said, good for you guys for looking out for your employees. Because I, I worded it in such a way that we truly were in the end. We're thinking about our employees because how it worked, whoever worked a Saturday was off during the week. And then we kind of had to backfill as much as we can during the week. And it was just, you didn't realize how much energy you're spending on covering those people that are off during the weekdays versus them being there on a Saturday. And what was interesting is I thought to myself, oh gosh, we have $100,000 of revenue coming in on 51, 52 Saturdays a year. We're going to lose $100,000 in revenue. I mean, I just have to accept it. Well, little did I know that we're up 20% over the last year because we end up having all of our horsepower be there on the weekdays and the momentum just flows throughout the week. And we just hammer down and get things completed and accomplished. The team morale is different. I mean, you never understood how much people really don't care to work on Saturdays until you're done with it. And I just smile now. One of my guys who retired, who's was with me for, I don't know, 47 years. He and I are still friends. He goes,
0: man, if you would have done that while I was working, I'd still be working. I love your synopsis. Horsepower, momentum, morale. Wow. You could write a book on that.
1: It was huge. But I will say I had three or four of my close buddies, Brian Weeks. Craig Noel, Gary were just encouraging me all the way. There were a couple other guys, Nate Bean. They were like, it's going to be okay, Brett. It's going to be okay. I'm like, I don't know. I'm not sure if it's going to be okay. It was fine. Everything worked out.
0: Great guys. Elite's a great group uh, to belong to. Now, so Okay, so do you recharge on the weekends now that you have guaranteed Saturday and Sunday off? How do you recharge, Brett?
1: So this is what's interesting. Even when I didn't work on Saturdays, my brain was in motion, thinking about the business throughout the day on a Saturday. Now I just disconnect. Sometimes I do office work on Saturdays, things like that. Pretty rare. I'm really trying to delineate, build my calendar throughout the week. Gary Pontius super encouraged me to do this. Create your calendar on the Friday before. Nothing for the most part impedes it. And then I can get stuff done during the week. Like I came home yesterday and my I got home at like 3.30 and Gary's a big exercise guy at lunchtime. I got home at 3.30 and I. she goes, what are you doing home? And I said, I have a meeting with the advisors at five o'clock and I'm going roller skiing right now and I'm going back to work. And she goes, oh, that's cool. And I'm like, that's what I can do now. You know, I don't have to work seven to five every stinking day. Plus I'm on at night. There are times I do work at night, things like that. So that's what guys don't necessarily see in that when you're not the owner of the business is you're on cue most of the time. You get up in the middle of the night writing down notes of like, Ideas that just came to your head.
0: You know, I've heard these stories over and over again, and then I start hearing the stories about the four day work week, and those are as encouraging as the one that you just told me. So, I guess we would call closing Saturdays a big pivot, but what makes your business different? There's
1: a number of things that make our business different. We often get doctor second opinions, quote unquote doctor second opinions from other shops who have basically overestimated things. We're known in the community as the guys who are going to give you a straight shot. We're not the cheapest. But in the end, I always coach my guys on cost per mile. You know, it's really important that, yes, we have one of the higher labor rates in town, but we're also not going to sell you ice and Eskimo, which adds pennies per mile in terms of operational expense on vehicles. So when you start talking the educational aspect of that type of strategy toward customers, you generally tend to draw a better demographic, a more educated demographic. I don't mean like college. I'm just saying from a EQ standpoint, streetwise standpoint, these guys are really looking out for a standpoint. Comes to a point where it's almost fun to have a customer database like that versus, you know, pulling those hard up the road customers that just are pinching every penny and don't necessarily budget for their car repairs and maintenance versus buying a new car every four years. You and I've talked about that whole spreadsheet that we have. I think that's one of the key differences. I truly have one of the best crews I've ever had. I recruited a guy three years ago that I've known for 10 plus years in the parts. He was in the parts industry since he was 11 years old. His ability to light up a room is absolutely incredible. You know, that whole Willie McGee, you've heard that synopsis of the manager of the Cardinals asked Willie McGee, you know, what makes you tick? What's so different about you? And he said, I learned a long time ago, coach, that there's two types of people You know, the kind of person that when they walk into a room, they light the room up. And then there's the kind of person that walks out of the room and then it lights up. And he goes, I choose to be the first one. I have a crew that does that with our customers every day. And it's all about customer experience and light the atmosphere up. And, you know, we're 20% over last year. And it's like, I never would have thought my buddies, Brian and Gary and Craig, are all like, did you ever think this is going to happen? Because I was, when this happened last October after our meeting and the guy departed, I had signed him. I moved him back here, said, give me a three-year commitment. He ended up finding an opportunity with Caterpillar Tractor in town for big, good money a year and a half into it. I was really disappointed in him at the same time. He was going after an opportunity for himself and his family. I can't fault him for that, but it just was like the biggest gut punch I've had in my entire career. And I mean, Brian was the one that was like, hey, let's have some conversations. Like, it's going to be okay, Brad. He didn't talk me off the cliff. Not that I was like gone crazy, but I was just kind of devastated. And for six months, I'm going in at five o'clock in the morning after we shut down Saturdays, working till six, coming home, working on the business. And it was just rough. And I told my wife, I said, here's how it's going to be until I find this other person to fill this spot. And she said, okay, you know, we're in. And just the balance sheet is healthy. I just can't say enough. We did the business purchase. That's all finished. Uh, My dad's getting fat lease payments and business payments, and he's happy and God couldn't have directed this any better. And I, at first I was like, I'm going to get slaughtered. And I did, but in the end I'm still alive and nobody got hurt or maimed or anything like that.
0: And the story is you came out the other side, whole happy. If you like what you're hearing from Brett Beachler, please go to my website, remarkableresults.biz. Type in just Brett and look at his episodes in the past. This is the guy, I mention your name a lot on episodes when we're talking about maintenance and forward thinking and setting the dental style appointments. We just did a really important episode and we ended up getting deep into the woods on you know forward leaning, meaning you can't get out of the dental chair unless you get an appointment. And I know that that is a high degree of what you guys do, continues to work for you.
1: It continues to work. And my guys, and don't get me wrong, they are not perfect. We're not Greg Skolnick yet, <laughs> <laughs> but it's a work in progress continually, you know, and I basically have told them, given the framework that this is how it needs to you got to get to like the customer. They got to like you. There's a trust component. There's a, hey, I'm looking out for you. And by the way, do you have plans to keep your car 250, 300,000 miles and abstain from car payments? Yeah, that's a really good idea. You know, and it's just, there's a formula that goes into it. You can't just walk in them cold and say, hey, you want to schedule this stuff? It's like, no, you got to give them the whys. You know, my favorite, one of my favorite books, Start With Why by Simon Sinek. You got to give them the whys. And it's our code on that is an orange appointment on our calendar. And I said, guys, we need to be seeing five oranges a week for every senior ASC tech that's up front. I mean, that's the goal is to schedule five of these a day. We have a unique system and you know that, Carm, we have an oil change operation that our customers are essentially pre-qualified leads. You know, you get a car at 95,000 at the next intervals, 100,000. Here's what it's due for. You know, a lot of our customers have been pre-scheduling. You want to join the club with all the other people that are pre-scheduling? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you get them in the S yes mode. You know, I get them to say two or three S's. It's all key to getting that customer to say, you know what? That's a really good idea. I think I'll be smart and do something like that. So.
0: So when you get to travel the country and and teach this. Oh, wait a minute. So this guy may run for political office. Now you'll never have any time, right?
1: I'll have time. My wife and I are already talking about our dream was to have a cabin. We're going to have a cabin up in Wisconsin someday. We just got to find the right place and the, and the right, you know, for all the kids and the grandkids. But it's going to happen. My guys are already getting set for, you know, Brett's not going to always be here. And I'm like,
0: you're very good. Smart man. Just set him right up. So any tips you'd give to any person wanting to get in the business, a technician who says, hey, I can do this or, Uh, anyone who says, listen, I've got some money, it's time, I'm going to go into the auto service business. Give me some tips.
1: Be ready to take lumps. Be smart. Standard operating procedures are a must. I'm working on that now. you got to have procedures for almost everything, if not everything in your business. I'm not saying you script your guys to the T like they're a bunch of robots. I always tell my guys, hey, call an audible. It's okay. They do it in sports all the time. We do it here in our business, colonel. You don't have to go by the script all the time, but if you, you know, maintain those types of procedures, generally speaking, it's going to execute. You know, I was out in my oil change bay the other day. My manager was under the weather. So I spent some time with the guys and procedures and, you know, it's like the old adage, you, you and I've talked about this, you know, the part in Days of Thunder, the movie where, you know, you do it 50 laps your day way and then I'll do and then do it 50 laps my way and see how the tires look at the end. I use that same analogy when it comes to my guys in the oil change bases. We have a procedure. I've got a 20-minute video explaining the procedure to these guys. And if you follow the procedure, these guys get done with the oil changes in 13 minutes with two guys. And if they don't follow the procedure, they literally bump into each other and they'll take 20 plus minutes. And then your chance of upselling a customer for needs goes down because, hey, you told me your oil changes take 15 minutes. I'm still here at minute 22. And now you're just coming in to talk to me about needs on my car. Sorry, I got to go. I love psychology and that's how people think, generally speaking. Not everybody, but that's how people mind thought processes go. So you've got to learn to work with people really well. I mean, my flesh sometimes just wants to get in the zone and get in the office and work, but I've got to do the old management by walking around. I'm not a big rah rah sis boom ba guy. I have to get out of my comfort zone to be that with my crew you know, and ask him about things. I walked up to one of my senior techs yesterday. I looked at him and I could tell something was off. And he just kind of started venting on me. I'm like, I tell you what, we're having an advisor meeting tonight. I'll hey, I'll give you, buy you, whatever you want, come and give me your 30 minutes of time with the advisors. And he went home, came and took his own time. He goes, you don't have to pay me. He goes, I, He's one of these guys that just loves and cares for the customers in the end. But he sat there for 30 minutes and said, here's what you guys need to get better at. My guys are great at customer experience, but operations are still working on a little bit in terms of supporting their other sets of team members over there in the the front bays. But you really have to learn to understand different dynamics of personalities of people. And if if you think it's all cookie cutter, you got to go back to the drawing board because it is certainly not cookie cutter. Everybody's got a different personality and needs a different type of uh, delivery when it comes to how you're managing them and how you're coaching them and how you, you know, you can keep improving their skills and what their life goals are and where they want to be in five years. There's all kinds of, it's people skills are absolutely necessary. You can't be a business owner and go sit in a cave and think you're going to be successful with your crew.
0: So it sounds like you'd recommend a 20 group.
1: Oh, I wouldn't be where I'm at without my guys and elite. And there's not a chance. I mean, we're tracking 3.2 million this year. And, you know, there wasn't too long ago we were tapping on a million going, man, we're going to get a million. And now I'm looking at it going, this is a $4 million shop. There's, you know, and all my buddies have are multi-shop owners. For years, I've sat there and meant, oh, I'd really like to have multi-shops. Now I'm just like, "Mm, I got 10 bays. I got a really decent net out of this. I have a great crew. I'm not sure if I ever want to do that. I'm not one of these guys that lives high in the hog. I'm pretty content you know my wife and i live within our means but at the same time we want to have a cabin up north we want to have a boat for the grandkids to come up and that takes money but i also want my guys more importantly i want my guys the best culture the best environment and the best compensated guys in the industry when it comes to this area that's my key
0: you said boat not cruiser not yacht.
1: I want a water steep boat. Mastercraft is going to come back into my possession one
0: of these days. Absolutely perfect. So the 20 group idea. So I'm in business and, you know, I just started, it's been a year. I mean, I'm not ready for something like that. And I believe that would be a mistake to think that.
1: It is a mistake because I think there are things when you think you can plow through things in life and do it all on your own. I think that's a deception that happens so many times in our industry that it's a man thing. You know, we were talking about in our advisor meeting last night, all these, all of our advisors, you know, I said, Hey, we got teammates spread out. You know, if Craig's desk gets piled up and your desk is clean, say, Hey, Craig, what can I do to help? The this exact same, thing, same things I tell my kids when they come home at night, Hey, just walk on the door and ask your mom, what can I do to help? That changes the atmosphere instead of plopping on the couch or doing something different. It changes the atmosphere. If you walk in and say, Hey, what can I do to help? It's like that in any business. What can I do to help? and we men want to fix everything, right? We want to be the heroes and carry all the load on our shoulders, and we can't, and I can't do it. I'm learning to be a better delegator and leaning on people and trusting them for them to get things done and not just me try to manhandle everything. It's huge. I love learning and growing every day, and if I didn't have my group, I guarantee I'd probably be five or 10 years behind, no doubt
0: about it. What kind of friends do you hang out with?
1: Well, we got a lot of grandkids, so that there's a little bit that goes on there. I got a couple of guy friends at church that are just really good pillars that I can lean on. You know, my wife and I are not the kind that like every single week we're going out somewhere and doing stuff. She loves her home and she's pretty content, but we have a small group at church and things like that that we uh, pour into. So it's good. It's healthy. I think it's healthy. Did
0: you ever have long hair?
1: I had a mullet back in high school. No.
0: A Brett mullet?
1: Yeah. I threatened my wife once a while. I'm like, I'm going to grow my mullet back. And she goes, yeah, right. Like, you're going to take that short here and turn it into mullet. I donned it pretty well. Too bad I don't have a picture of it. Actually, I got my yearbook behind me. I could probably show you a picture.
0: I had the long bush hair that was indicative to the times when I look back and I says, God, that was ugly. But then you looked at everyone else in the pictures and we all had that crop. And wants me to grow my hair again. And I tried a few years back. It looked terrible. And I think I'm going to have to absolutely positively retire before I wait the two years to get it long enough so that I can have a ponytail for her.
1: I don't know. I just don't want to manage long hair. That's my big thing. I see guys come in the business.
0: That's true. I would not even want to think about that. Wow. Hey, what was your first full-time paying job?
1: I was a paper boy. My dad said when I was about 12, there was a BMX I wanted. And I said, hey, dad, there's this really nice BMX I want to buy. And he's like, okay. I'm like, what can you do for me? And he goes, you got to go out and get a job. I'm not going to pay for a BMX. At the time you grumbled, you're like, oh man, come on, dad, like really? But those are the little lessons that instills a work ethic in you. You'll never, I've told my dad that. I'm like, you know, that one time you told me just go out and get a job, that work ethic, ethic of getting up at 5.30 in the morning and going and deliver papers for an hour, that basically helped shape and frame my working, you know, zone through my whole life. And it was even worse in high school because I had morning swim practice we had to be at six. So I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning, go run my paper route, and then buzz off to my swim practice and be there at six for an hour. And How many papers? I usually had 40 to 45 delivering.
0: Wow. Mm-hmm. So when you say paper route, I think back to my teenager years, and it, although the family was always in business and I always had something to do, even though I may not have been paid as a family member. you know, There was always something to do to hang around. But a great buddy of mine he had like, five streets. I'm going to guess 200 papers. He would go on vacation with the family and he asked me to cover. And that one cover day was Sunday. You know how thick that paper was back in the day, right? And I couldn't take all 200 papers in this huge neighborhood. So I had to get the big basket for the bike and I had to keep coming, you know, up the hill. It was kind of a hilly area, up and down and up and back. And it was the hardest, one of the most physical things I did for a week and on a Sunday. And I did it a couple of times that he was out with his family. And it really gives you, to your point, the discipline to say, you got to get up, you got to get on time because people are counting on you.
1: I always tell my daughter, there's a lot of action that happens in the morning, honey. (laughs) It's like that old army commercial. We do more stuff before eight o'clock in the morning that most people do all day. You probably remember that commercial. And I thought about that for years, just in the back of my head. So
0: one of the hardest things that comes with uh, being a business owner?
1: Oh man. Curveballs thrown at you. I think that's one of the biggest things. I'm learning to better analyze profit and loss statements. That's not been my forte, but at the same time it's I've always been a manager of money. I've I, you know, my wife and I we manage our money to the penny. I mean, we have different accounts and you know, I basically run the Dave Ramsey system in our home. I started doing it at our business side, moving money around and allocate money and my bankers probably not happy with me, but I'm exercising them a lot because you know, my dad was always one of these guys that it's a different generation where they were happy holding on to money and, and not working for them. And I'm just a little bit different and it doesn't mean I'm better or worse than him. I, I sit there and I look at a few bucks in the bank. And I'm like, wait a minute, we got to either invest in the company with new signage or new equipment or that money's got to go somewhere else to work for us. It's not, I'm not going to have it sit in the checking account. The other thing is, you know, the big thing is in the checking account, you got to chunk of change in a checking account, you got a bookkeeper looking at it. It's not a good thing. So I'm really big on having that all managed properly.
0: Now, is it you're just trying to update what you currently have? I'm trying
1: to update what I currently have. That's probably the big thing is they're in paper form. I I just can't stand it in paper form. I want guys to be able to access a website. I'm working with my IT guy who's an absolute genius. We're getting switched over to Microsoft. We're going to end up putting... Our SOPs all on a on the Microsoft server, as you say. That's first quarter twenty-four when that's gonna start rolling. I know it's gonna be a living, breathing project that goes on forever. It's not gonna ever end. We're always gonna be improving that. But I agree that I'm a process guy. My guys, they chuckle at me too. They're you know, Craig Noel's like, Oh, you're the greatest process guy in the world. I go, I'm not that great because not everything's in my SOP, my electronic SOP yet. He's like, What are you waiting for? And I'm like, I just got out of the frontline seat four months ago. I said, just You got to take things in stride like I'm getting to it. So I got other important things right now. One of the things we're refining is our digital vehicle inspection. I'm working with Scott Osborne and one of my guys on the inside is we're just refining that till no tomorrow. It's just been clunky and takes time for my guys to go through it. And we're making it to where it's seamless and good for the customer and good for the the tech who's doing the inspection. It's got to be good both ways.
0: Any shiny new piece of equipment in the shop? What's the latest thing you bought?
1: I did a snap-on scan tool. I purchased another tire mounting equipment. We're big into Corgi. My uncle, before he passed, was a big equipment guy, and he was really big into finding the right quality piece of equipment for the shop. He'd go to SEMA every year, do a bunch of research. Uh, Really big into Corgi. Low, low maintenance and expense ratio on those things. We bought the Corgi, I think it was AM5000. So I've got two full-blown tire machines in my tire bay. And then I actually took our old tire machine, brought it over here in the oil change bay so these guys can just quickly do tire repairs, things like that that come up on oil change inspections and things of that nature. I'm actually considering buying a second on-the-car brake lathe. So I've got a ProCut. It's been a workhorse for us. It's had a lot of processes go through it. We're going to end up keeping that and not trading it in because we do so much brake work that the guys like to have bench strength when it comes to that. So. The one thing that's nice about having a business purchase finished is it gets to be a little bit of an administrative deal when you got two owners in the business and you have different philosophies. One's a cost guy, one's an ROI guy, and it's like, hey, dad, really need to purchase an $18,000 brake lathe." I don't know, you know, and his mind is stuck in the $100,000 a month days and we're at 300k months and I'm going, we really need to do this. If you want to take us to the next level, one of my goals in 2024 that I laid out with our team is I want us to grow to 4,000 tires a year and that will require doubling of our business to do that. And we're not going to do that having one tire machine. It's just not going to happen. We're going to have to have bench strength and we're going to have to have, you know, a guy that can run. I think I did the numbers. It's I don't know how many tires a day, but it's 16 tires a day because we're going to be open 253 days next year. And I got to do all those calculations to be able to figure out, okay, what's it going to take? Um, our marketing expense, are probably going to end up changing the name of our company right now. It's Beechler's Vehicle Care and Repair to something more prominent, Beachler's Automotive and Tire Center that's going on everywhere. And I a lot of corroboration with my buddies saying, hey, what do you think about this name? What do you think about this name? And they're like, nah, and this is where I landed was the Beachler's Automotive and Tire Center really speaks volumes in terms of like, we've always done automotive, but you stick tire in there. It's not going to change everything, but it's going to help. Dynamics.
0: The whole tire thing is is happening. I I know so many people that are adding tire to their names. So that's brilliant. One of the things that I continue to hear from you during this entire episode, and I and I just want to point it out to our listener, Brett continues to talk about friends calling this person running ideas by people. You can't sit with a novel idea and to think it's the most brilliant thing in the world. And you can talk yourself in and out of it constantly in your own mind until you speak it. And when you speak it to people, it almost takes on a completely different color and flavor, doesn't it?
1: Here's what's funny about me. I tend to be one of those people that will, I wait for it to be 100% until I make a move. But if I reach out to two or three significant friends, colleagues in the business and say, hey, what do you think about this? And they give me verbal feedback. My brain processes much better and says, yeah, I need to do that. Let's go. You know, it's like the pro cut brake late. I mean, there's a part of me that's a little bit of a cost guy going $18,000. But I'm like, wait a minute. I can have two brake jobs going at the same time. Come on, Brett. Like, what are you thinking about? Our balance sheet is still healthy. It's an ROI thing. The other one's been around for 13 years. It's not going to be here forever. You made money on this thing. Let's go. Sometimes all it takes is one friend to go, Hey, what do you think about this? Who has a, has a strength in this arena, like has a super successful shop. They have the best equipment around. Like, what do you think about this? It is no brainer, Brett. Do it. Like, there's no question about it to make the plunge. I tend to be a little bit that way. I got to wait for everything to be hundred percent just right before I move. And I, I can't, you got to go by the 80% rule. You have to, you know, it's like my advisors. I, I just added sales per day to each advisor because sometimes when you go, Hey, you're doing 90,000 a month. Okay. What does that mean? And then you break it down. And you go, hey, we're looking for forty four hundred dollars a day. Oh, okay. To me, that's a lot more chewable for a guy. That, you know, those guys don't think quarterly like we do and annually, and and that's okay. It doesn't make them bad. We just up above the clouds, trying to think ahead a little bit more, and then bring back that intel to them to go, hey, this is what it's going to take, guys. Oh, okay, that's much more accomplishable in terms of. 16 tires a day. By the way, it's 15.8 tires a day it's going to take, but I'm a, I rounded up to 16. That's what I did. So yes, I'm a spreadsheet kind of guy. I love spreadsheets.
0: Any concerns about the industry? It's a concern,
1: but for me, it's more of the technology that's here and, and keeps coming. I don't think it's a concern. It's something that I have to pivot on and I'm pivoting on. I'm already investigating four or five different training arenas uh, for next year. One of them actually is, I think you featured them on your show, Today's Class. I talked to Ron the other day, and we had an hour conversation, and he's very selective when it comes to that kind of stuff. It's not hands-on, but it's also trickling it out in throughout the day. My guys, and I, I told him, I said, we are going to fall behind if we don't have 40 hours of training for each of you guys every year. Um, and I think that's minimum anymore.
0: I did have a tour of today's class. I was very impressed from an owner's perspective what your people are doing, what their needs are, and there's a little bit of team play you can pull it it together with.
1: There's nothing like hands-on. Don't get me wrong.
0: You need a combination of that.
1: Yes, that's exactly what I think is you need a combination because, you know, I sit here and I look at the model of, okay, every three months we send somebody off to training or they go to a night training or something like that. You train for a few hours and then you're done for three months. And I'm like, I don't think that's healthy. I just don't think it's healthy. I think you need something every day. It's like like we as leaders, we really need to be reading a small amount every day, not just reading... You know, going off on a weekend for three days and reading them seven books. It's think it's too hard on our brains.
0: Totally agree. Hey, let's end this show about your grandkids. I mean, I know, golly, six grandkids.
1: So we have five kids. Three of them have a girl-boy, girl-boy, girl-boy mix. One lives in Colorado. Uh, She and her husband live in Colorado, still actually real close to um, Darren Barney's place. I almost threatened to visit him, but we just didn't have time the last time I was out there. But I said, next time we'll, I promise we'll visit. So that's the six and the one year old. Uh, we have four here in town, about 15 minutes north of here. At the end of this month, they'll be six and five. They're absolute dolls. They were born on the same day. So I guess you call those Irish twins. Is that what you call us? So oh, yeah, November 20. And then there's two a girl and a boy across the river over in a town called Morton that it's, uh, she's three and he's one. So. They're a barrel of fun. I'm one of those grandpas that I don't lavish my kids or grandkids with stuff. I like to give them experiences, which is just a different way of doing it. I'm not saying people that lavish people with kids with stuff is a bad thing. I just, I'd rather take them out hiking or go do things or go give them experiences. Like my daughter was talking to me the other day and she said, she and her boyfriend had been dating for about two and a half years. And she said, uh, Reagan wants to go on a, on a city bus sometime. And he told me he wanted to go on a city bus and I told him I've already been on one. And she, he's like, what? He goes, I want to take you on a first experience. And she goes, oh, no, my dad did that when I was really little because he wanted me to see how some people live in terms of not bad. It's just some people have two kids and they have to go to work on a bus. And, and I always wanted to give her perspective that you need to count your blessings because that's a tough world and you should take empathy on people like that. And he goes, dang, is there anything your dad hasn't done with you that I can't have a first experience with you? And she goes, I'm sure there's something, but he was always big into giving me experiences that later in life, you know, it's like our bike rides that we do every year. We've done them eight times and we started when she was 13 and she still wants to do them with me, which is amazing. But I always want to be able to show her a different part of the world to go, hey, check this out. And then when she gets into the real world and sustain herself on her own, she can go, you know what? I rode my bike from here to Minneapolis in six days. I can do anything my mind, I put it to. So that's always been fun for me as a parent. Now it's a grandparent. So it's a lot of fun.
0: It is so great that we are doing things for our children instead of basement video games, you know, and smartphones at such young ages.
1: That makes my blood kind of boil when I think about just what that does to our society. And, you know, we're all gifted with 24 hours a day. And What are you going to do at that time is my big question. I ask to my daughter all the time who's still in our home. I'm like, hey, you got the same amount of time in the day that I do. What are you going to do with it? You know, how are you going to turn around? That phone is idle time. I think it can be a work of the enemy in in my personal opinion. But, you know, I don't know everything. But at the same time, it's okay to be on the phone a little bit. But, you know, and it encompasses 20% of your day, I think there's a fundamental issue that's going on.
0: You sound a lot like me. Listen to your gut. A lot of times it tells you things. Wow, this was great. Thank you for being so transparent, so honest, and learned a whole bunch of really neat things.
1: This is always fun, Carm.
0: Oh, by the way, I had, I had this wild story because I know you want to put tire in your name. Are you doing EVs and hybrids too?
1: You know, what's funny is um, I consider Toyota a leading industry indicator. I pay pretty close attention to what they go into. I've done a huge amount of reading on electric vehicles. I'm not opposed to them. You know, I read this article the other day that basically said if you pulled out the subsidy on electric vehicles, they would probably not vanish, but they'd be reduced significantly. And Toyota is really big on hybrids and they're big on developing their solid state battery. Myself, as we develop our training for 2024 and beyond, I would rather put our money into developing for hybrids than I would for developing for electric cars. They're not mandated around here like they are in other areas like we were out in Nate Bean's place a couple months ago. I couldn't believe how many electric cars are out in Washington state. But there's so much subsidy that goes on with the, those types of vehicles. You know, and I got guys in my elite group that think I'm crazy and they're like, you got to wrap your head around it. This is the way everything's going. I'm like, it's not sustainable. I'm sorry. It's, you cannot convert every car in this world to electric vehicles. It's not going to happen. And then the other side of the whole electric vehicles is, You know, where much of the raw materials harvested is, you know, out of Congo, Africa, which they have children as slave labor, but we sit there and we don't like slavery in our country, understandably so, but we'll buy products that supplied with children, child slave labor. I'm like, you don't make any sense. Like it's, to me, it's like people putting their head in the sand and going, don't tell me where these cars are made or or how they're made or what they're made from. I just want to drive. And the same thing with Nike shoes and all that stuff. So. But we could do a whole nother episode on that.
0: Yeah, I know that. We did a great episode with Derek Kaufman a little bit ago, and he talked about e-fuels. So that could also be a incredible alternative. And I'm not sure if it's five, six, 10 years down the road. But there's a lot of technology, as you said earlier, that's going on that sometimes we just have to be patient and wait for it to happen. Uh, hey, Brett, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it, man. You're welcome. Thank you.